This is Dai Zen Shui X, the podcast, episode 235 for the week of October 17th, 2010. Welcome to Daizen Shui X, the podcast and extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site. Daizen Shui X. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. It is good to be back. I kind of forgot we're on vacation, man. Yes. Just feels normal to be doing this. It's um, it was kind of weird going from a summer where we were sporadically doing it due to con stuff. I know, I know. And it's like, oh, it's it's time for our anniversary. Got to go on vacation. We're like, oh, we're didn't we just leave? <laughs> I know. I and like it was Julian's gone. wedding like a few weeks ago too. I, I think know, that's why I, I feel like we've been bopping all over. But hopefully we're solid now. We are totally solid. We got Mary over here doing her Saffron Henderson impression. Yes. Thanks for picking up on that. Thanks. I mean, I'm I say, not, I'm I say not sure if I'm happy or sad. Every day. So. Not when. Well, okay. Yeah. Close. Let's give you that one. Good to have you here, Mary. Good to be here. Uh, my name is Mike Vegito EX. I am the ringleader of this circus. And joining us from more southern than we are, Mr. Corey. Good to have you with us, man. Thank you for inviting me. It Corey is. gets around. Yeah, I know, right? What's going on, dude? Well, way to make me sound like a huge slut. <laughs> <laughs> we... Internet whore. Dude, you're, to- <laughs> you're totally the slut of the Dyson Chewy X family. Come on, man. Can I have that as like my title on the forum then? <laughs> <laughs> I can make that happen. I know a guy right. who can make that happen. I will accept it with pride then. All right. I guess we should explain why he's... The, the guy that gets around. Uh, yeah, yeah, why don't you tell us? I mean, for those of you who subscribe to the podcast in a way where the RSS feed automatically updates in something like iTunes, you heard from Heath and Corey and Ryan uh, earlier this week. But Corey, since you're here with us, give us a rundown of uh, what the fuck you guys are doing. Uh, yeah, uh, since uh, two people decided to go on a vacation and leave us all in a lurch, uh, <laughs> it was uh, brainstormed by the group of us to uh, kind of fill in that void and uh, try and do a podcast about uh, the big green dubs. So uh, we kind of filled that in, had some fun. Uh, Surprisingly enough, I was sober. But uh, here's the big question. Are you right now? Because I am significantly buzzed for this episode. It's a necessity. (laughs) Uh, You know what? Surprisingly enough, uh, I was just out last night. So I'm kind of letting my liver regenerate today. I see. So I I am actually, I will be the control. I will be, you (laughs) know. You're the designated podcaster. There you go. Perfect, perfect. So good. It was, I actually did listen to the episode immediately because, I mean, it's different for me listening to you guys than it is for some of the regular listeners because, I mean, I know you guys. I've hung out with you guys. It's like listening to friends talk about stuff. But I think over the years, I mean, Mary, you and I have been doing this show. We're coming up on, what, five years of doing this show? Yeah, yeah. And I'm this way with other shows where I feel like I know the people. So I, I feel like I'm almost one-sided friends with them. So it is utterly fascinating to sit and listen to three people that I know so well talk about stuff. It was a good time. I'm really glad you guys did that. Yeah, I mean, we're hoping maybe in the future, if you guys ever decide to abandon us again, you know, to just <laughs> keep going. And I mean, there's still a decent amount of movies left. So we've still got some subject material to draw off of. Definitely, definitely. I'm so much looking forward to that. We should do like OVA podcasts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Special. That's right. Big green. 
All right, so why are we drinking this episode? Yeah, give me some, bro. Dog. <laughs> There's plenty more upstairs. I don't want to move. The last time that we, we had to do this was for The Magic Begins, the original live-action Dragon Ball movie. What we're going to talk about this episode is the 1993 official visual guide for Plan to Eradicate the Science. Now this is, I mean, we'll give you a little bit of history as we get to the topic. This is widely regarded as pretty astacular. Which is why it drives <laughs> Mike to drinking. That's right. That's right. It absolutely does. We're going to give you the history and our opinions and plenty of other opinions. I think people probably already have our opinion. Yeah, they just point. got it. They totally just got it later in the episode. But uh, kind of in celebration, in anticipation, in what, what's a negative way to phrase that? Morbid dread. <laughs> in morbid dread of what's coming to us via Raging Blast 2. I mean, we all go into it with cautious optimism, but I mean, you go back to the original source material, who the hell knows what's That's how coming. I live my life day to day, with cautious, <laughs> cautious optimism. It's <laughs> a good way to live. So kind of uh, in anticipation of that, we're going back 16, 17 years earlier, looking at the original source material for this. Finally going to give it a halfway decent review. Uh, I would go over some house housekeeping stuff but the housekeeping is we've been out for a while you guys did the big green podcast and it's uh been cruising along kind of slow times just chilling right yeah pretty much just going on momentum right now mary everything cool good yes. times good vacation very refreshed refreshed ready to talk about this stuff all right then let's talk about news Folks, I'm going to start you off. The Portuguese manga is getting a re-release, and this is a good one. New release from Asa. Uh, the prior version came from, you're going to love my pronunciations here, Planeta de Augustini. Apparently that prior version was very poorly translated from the Spanish version. So you're kind of going generation to generation of translations there. Apparently this one's translated from the Viz version itself, though. Even still, it seems to be a pretty decent adaptation. So that's good to hear. The first volume is out for 9.6 euros and they're looking at a monthly release schedule. It is based on the old Tonkobon release, so it's going to be 42 volumes and it's not the Konzenban version. Although the paper is of a higher quality. Uh, some of the folks that have been breaking it down for us, Rear Boy and DNA on the Daisenshu EX form, they're saying it's somewhere around the Viz Big kind of quality of paper or between the Tonkobon and the Konzenban release. So it's always good to hear that another country out there, in this case Portugal, getting a a halfway decent version of the manga. Good to hear. Good to hear. Mary, take us back over here to the USOA, though. Okay, so Dragon Box 5. It's going to be coming in early 2011 is what we got, so it kind of sucks that it's so long between volumes, but what are you going to do? Yeah, we don't have a date pinpointed yet. I know the solicitations, Corey, they're up through December at this point, something like that, right? Or they yeah, I think that's the last I saw. Uh, I, in all honesty, I'm not keeping up with it day to day, but the last I saw was through December. So Yeah, I know that was the most recent stuff I saw. But over on Twitter, Funimation's tossing out, yeah, early 2010. So we're 11. thinking... I messed it up on the website too. And within moments <laughs> of me posting it, I think I had three emails. I corrected it literally within moments of doing it. It was hilarious that so many people caught that right away. I'm still so used to saying 2010. Um, we're thinking probably going to be around the January, February. So it is a little sucky that it's coming uh 
so late after four, but they've been spreading out the Kai releases, they're spreading out the Dragon Box releases. Curry, let me ask you, I mean, I talk about this with Mark every so often when we have him on the show. After the Dragon Box release of Dragon Ball Z, obviously Kai's going to continue onward. In your opinion, what do you think they're going to do with DBZ? Are they going to kind of let it be for a while? Uh, you know, I kind of gave some thought to it, but I really can't see them doing much else unless they do some sort of stripped down reissue of the dragon boxes where it's just the discs and not all the extra accoutrement so yeah yeah because they they have a tendency to do that as of late it seems like especially with the uh, season sets they did the uh ones where they had two bundled together they had the gt one where they just put them together in a sleeve i mean i don't know that seems like the only other thing that kind of uh goes along with what they've been doing recently yeah and i feel like with this particular release if you strip it down any it almost defeats the purpose I mean, yeah, the, the main point is the visual content, but the packaging is so significant compared to prior releases. I don't know. It's I, I'm kind of hoping they'll just let Z be for a while. Uh, maybe. I mean, they've always got the ability now, assuming they have the masters for it or a deal on the table, to go back and redo Dragon Ball and GT, which should keep them busy for a while. Right, right. Leave Z alone for a while. Go do the other shows. It's a way to do and it. come back to it all over again. That's right. Uh, you're going to continue us onward here, Corey. All right. Uh, with regards to Dragon Ball Heroes on the Cardass website, uh, a new page was launched for Dragon Ball Heroes. Includes a commercial showcasing a character placing a card into the machine and being further Toriyama-ized in the Dragon World. There's also a little jingle from Dragon Soul, which would be the group, not the song, playing in the background. Uh, this is one of those things where I'm kind of hesitant. It's I don't want to say it's a sore spot, but it kind of is right now. So I'm going to let you lead here, Corey. You have any feelings on Dragon Ball Heroes? It's the kind of thing we're never going to get here in the U.S. So it, You know, personally, I've never really been into the card games or anything like that. So it's... It's something I can look at as, you know, the little promotional stuff they do as a little eye candy, but that's right. pretty much all it's going to be for me. And it's not like we could ever get into it. I mean, not just a card game, but this is an arcade-based card game. I mean, we're it's never a very exactly. Japanese thing. Yeah. There's nothing for that here. Nothing we can do with this. It's just kind of there. I guess it's the kind of thing I send Julian to take pictures of. and Hope for the best. <laughs> exactly. Hope for the best. But, I mean, it's neat to see they're kind of expanding. Almost Dragon Ball Online-esque, I feel, they're going in this direction where it's not just the original characters. It's kind of yourself, maybe, being thrown into the world. Can't really tell. All right, let's do other video game stuff. Mary, your favorite video game. Oh, Come right, on. because I could so tell the difference between all of them these days. This one in particular. <laughs> right, let, let me ask what? you, what game is this? What is Tenkaichi Tag That's Team? That's for a portable thing. That is for and a portable thing. And it's a fighting thing. game, two yes. on two. For you to say it's a fighting game with Dragon Ball, <laughs> you get a 95% chance of probably. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so looking at the notes here. Oh, my God, I was right. Yay. So Tenkaichi Tag Team updates. Your notes say it's a PSP game, so I was right about that. Anyway, it's coming out next week. Not only do my notes say this, but it's actually correct yeah, as well. Yeah, but I didn't even look at them. I was just right. It's the American release of Tag Versus. And there's a new, possibly final, English trailer from Nanko Bandai that shows off the Dragon Walker mode. Amazon's also offering it for a couple cents off, plus a $10 gaming credit, so cool beans. And Japanese and English demos are up on their respective PlayStation stores. And I see you've got a little embedded video right here. We do. It's up on the homepage. Corey, I know you got a PSP. This trailer is only about a minute long. You interested in Tag Versus at all? You going to be playing? Uh, I did finally 
solve my uh, firmware issue. So <laughs> right. I'll, I'll check it out eventually. I'll download the demo and see if it's worth checking out. But in all honesty, I had looked at some stuff before, and it just seemed like another iteration that maybe when it's a uh, budget bin thing. I'm going back and forth. I mentioned this. I don't know if I'm more excited about this over Raging Blast 2. I might be. I mean, there's demos for them both out now. I guess we'll go down to that. Raging if I Blast had to pick... Yeah. I would go for the handheld just because I feel like a two on two is at least different. Yeah, yeah. From Raging Blast and Raging Blast 1 was such a disappointment. It sure was, Mary. It mm-hmm. sure was. Well, let's talk about its sequel. Uh, Namco Bandai Europe put up a new trailer for the game featuring more of the opening theme and all that stuff. Um, showcasing a lot more of the game. It's good to see they're really finally promoting it. Corey, I know you guys talked about this in your little new stuff um, on the Big Green podcast, but Game mm-hmm. Trailers put up a developer walkthrough earlier in the week. You guys talked about it. I mean, they showed kind of the museum mode and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, knowing that you already talked about it, is there anything significant you want to pull out of that video and note for anyone? Uh, Not really, in all honesty. I mean, it was kind of limited in what they were doing, and I understand why. But I mean, mean, it's something worth looking at if you're already interested in the game. If you're not interested to begin with, it's probably not going to change your mind too much. No, no. I mean, they focused very little on the actual gameplay, which I thought was strange. And I'm thinking developer walkthrough, all right, they're really going to talk about some of the combos and the offensive and defensive stuff. I felt like they focused more on the ancillary stuff, like the museum mode and all the profiles and the videos and stuff. It seems like the majority of the time was spent just showing off the menus, which that's that's great and all, but uh, it's kind of, like you said, it's just ancillary. It's not one of the main things you buy the game for well i don't know a lot of people sound like they're picking it up just for plan to eradicate the super science so which which like we said last week and I, i'm not sure if you guys covered it on here uh this kind of gave us a bit of a kick in the chest because it says now that this is supposedly an unlockable so right, if you're buying right. it if you're buying it just for the video apparently you are going to have to invest some time in playing the actual game which uh, might involve alcohol of some sort <laughs> i don't know I, I wouldn't place too much stock because i mean you guys covered he was talking about how it was based on a manga chapter and it was unreleased and they finished it up i mean none of that information was correct we know it to be factually wrong if it was incomplete there's no way we could talk about it on this show right now so true i tried to give him a little bit more clout when it came to the actual game itself yeah yeah i'm with you but, so so i mean yeah the, the guys it's a coin toss i guess we'll know soon enough basically right i mean i think we're getting it first in the u.s on november 2nd i think we're the second europe is the fifth and then japan's the 11th so we're gonna know soon enough so Corey, did you play the demo at all it's available in the u.s exclusive to xbox live and i think it's even gold exclusive for a week although throughout the rest of the world it is also available on the PS3. I mean, Germany's got it. I think I heard the UK's finally got it now. Uh, Japan just put it up on the 14th as well. Did you get a chance to check it out? Yeah, actually, uh, while I was waiting for you guys, I actually saw the little blurb about it being up, so I downloaded it. You know, I think you may even remember this from when I came up and saw you guys back last uh, December. Wasn't impressed with the first game. This one looks prettier, but I don't really see anything gameplay-wise that really sets it apart. It just seems 
And I mean, this is what they've been doing for the past decade. It seems like it's just another incremental upgrade over the previous oh, one. Oh, yeah, so, definitely. So we all wait for the inevitable third chapter that'll have all the little wells and, bi- <laughs> wells and bistles. Yeah, bells and whistles. <laughs> exactly. The only thing that was a definite improvement right off the bat was the camera. But I mean, yeah, gameplay-wise and visual-wise and moves-wise and sound-wise and yeah, life-bar-wise and anything that's not a camera seemed exactly the same. Camera was definitely better. I mean, just right. You could tell in the demo for the first Raging Blast that the camera was awful. So to see an improvement there alone. But I feel like, do we give them credit for that when it should have been right in the first game? I mean, there's something it's I, an upgrade. Something I harped on in my review of Raging Blast was, guys, you had the camera right for three games prior to this on the PS2. Sure, you're on a new generation of systems, but I mean. I don't know how to program games, so the camera's a camera, right? I mean, shouldn't it just... Everything else is carrying over well enough. I I don't know. Did they ever release any sort of patch to deal with any of the myriad of bugs that was in that first game? No, I don't think there was a patch at all. There was just the the free DLC, which was... I don't even think it was costume packs. I think it was just character attribute packs. Yeah, it was just stuff you could program yourself. So it was kind of, I don't know, very cheap it felt like yeah there was nothing actually downloadable about it they were all just unlock keys to you know assign points and stuff it was nothing significant there uh yeah i've, I've been playing the demo too i initially got it off the german store and now i've got the japanese demo as well i think there's only four characters there's super saiyan goku there mm-hmm. is gohan after he receives his upgrade from um the old kaioshin there's dabra and there's the chibi boo right yeah right okay um yeah i mean those are the characters that are in there um that's a pretty interesting mix of characters actually those aren't the ones that i would typically think of i mean you go over to the tag versus demo it's goku vegeta kudadin piccolo and i think 19 and 20 those are kind of standard the hero characters you expect to play as so i, I give them props in the raging blast 2 demo for a couple extra different kinds of characters dabra is a, a nice one to toss into the mix yeah it felt very very samey um i mean it's only a demo i gotta spend more time with it Something that um, I picked up on right away, I thought was a really cool addition. When you go into this dragon soul or dragon something, I forget what the name of the actual... Raging something. Raging soul. That's that's what it is. <laughs> it's uh, when you power up your key past its maximum. You know, you, you power up your key all the way, then you can kind of double it up. If you press, I think, L1 or something, as soon as you go into it, you go into this extra mode. I think your power is doubled, but you can't use super moves. When you go into that mode, though, it starts playing the vocal version of the game's opening theme, Battle of Omega. And that totally feels like the super awesome shonen, oh, shit's on, man, at this point. <laughs> I think that's a really, really cool addition. Uh, Whoever came up with that idea, like, in whatever brainstorming sessions they had for this game, people probably like, oh, I don't know. It doesn't sound so hot, but I think it's really good. I think I'm glad that they did something addition. different, because I don't. I just think it's really unique, and I would never have thought of something like that. Oh, definitely. I mean, the prior Sparking games, you could always use the opening theme as the background track. You could play Super Survivor, you know, the full vocal version in Meteor as a background track. But this is neat where it kind of interrupts and becomes kind of like an insert song during the fight. My only concern is this might start wearing a little thin when you do it a ton of times. The first 
first time I did it, I was actually in really low health. And I was thinking, oh, that really makes sense. I'm at my low health and I've gone into this mode. That really makes sense for it to kick in. So I think maybe if it was relegated down to just that, maybe it wouldn't feel... Just from the demo, I'm already feeling it's a little too often from doing it. But it's a really cool addition Um, that's... A minor thing they've added that I feel adds a lot to the atmosphere, and that's important for these games. But something we haven't talked about is the uh, the graphical engine for the game, because it's gotten an overhaul from Raging Blast 1, which was really, they're doing that cell shading, something the the Naruto games have been doing a lot recently. Was it Cyber Connect 2 that develops those games? Just the, the gorgeous cell shading. Corey, what'd you think about the uh, the shiny we got going on? Granted, like I said, I only played the first one for a few minutes. Uh I think it looked nicer. I mean, it seemed more, uh, can't think of an appropriate word for it, but it didn't look quite so, uh, it looked better to me than the previous entry. I mean, it's it's something I'll definitely have to see more representations of the characters, because I know, I know especially with like the uh, Super Saiyan 3 characters in the first one, they were kind of painful looking, I want to say. It yeah, was almost yeah. like they were made of plastic well i mean that's been spike steel the whole time is plastic's True. a great way to describe it uh you know we've talked about this a lot in the forum on the podcast and reviews and stuff for me dimps just seems to have a way with character models that feels natural and fluid and spike always just kind of has the looped animation where they just kind of do their standing animation over and over no one's really swaggering you know they got to have their super science swagger there <laughs> to kind of move around a bit. I, I don't know. I, I think Spike could really spend a little bit more development time on that extra presentation stuff. But that takes away from the gameplay, so who the hell knows? What well, gameplay? Long story short, Corey, you're wrong. I think it looks worse than the first game, but that's okay. I like you, and you have guns, so you can say whatever you want. Well, the funny thing is, and this was, I never, I think you nailed it, really. I never really liked this team's approach to how they made the character models, but the, the strange thing is, you go on the forums and a lot of people argue, like uh, what was it, Burst Limit was the last one that the uh, other team had done? Yeah, yeah. I thought that game, I mean, I mean, it had a lot of shortcomings, but it was an early generation PlayStation 3 game. Uh, right. I thought that game was very pretty, for lack of a better term, and I really liked how they approached the character models. It was a little bit different than the previous iterations, whereas this team, it always looks incrementally, and again, like I said, I didn't spend much time with it, but it looked a little bit better to me at first glance, but it still seems the same. They don't really make any big improvements aside from, I think, when they crossed over to the PS3, the lines got a little less thick and exaggerated, and they did a little bit better with the coloring. and The hands were these blocky kind of lines exactly but i do remember and you still see some of it you brought it up exactly you know the uh i need to pee raditz where he's just sort of <laughs> standing there like swaying back and forth yeah so. yeah yeah burst limits a, a great example to bring up they even had a name for it they called it toriyama shading back when they were promoting the game it was a risk and you know some people didn't like it but of all the games on this generation of consoles guys burst limit has sold the most copies i mean you only have burst limit and raging blast one to compare at this point and mm-hmm. quite a few years apart but they took a risk and it was it was something so spike isn't one to take risks yeah and yet people i think what i was getting at before but i kind of forgot where i was going uh surprisingly enough a lot of people seem to prefer the uh, raging uh, 
blast approach. They say it's uh, more true to the original, you know, Toriyama's actual depictions of the characters, which personally I, I don't get, but hey, everybody's entitled to their opinion. Absolutely. I mean, then you can always go to Super Dragon Ball Z, which rips it all out of the manga. So, I mean, uh-huh. everyone's got their things they can go to. All right, we've been talking about Raging Blast 2. We got one last uh, kind of last minute news update. I believe she told me how to pronounce her name. I think you pronounce it Ashlyn. Um, I'm probably going to be wrong, but over on the Daizenshu X Facebook page, I'm just going to read what um, she wrote to us here about the Kai Mexican dub, which we've talked a little bit about in the past. Um, Renee Garcia, Vegeta's voice actor in Latin America, was at an event, Fahrenheit 2010, in Buenos Aires, Argentina, this weekend. He confirmed that he's not going to work on Dragon Ball Kai due to lack of money, but he knows that what matters the most are us, the fans. So he wrote to Toei's representative in Mexico to get an arrangement. He never got an answer back. Still, he encourages fans to write them and let them know how much we want the original cast to be on the show. I'll do it, but I'm afraid it's a little late already. I'm not sure. This is really just a follow-up on what we've been hearing about the Mexican Kai dub, where they can't afford the original cast from really the acclaimed DVZ dub from so many years back. And it's uh, it's a shame to hear because they were so good back then. This is just where the industry is going, I guess, not just in the U.S., but down there in Mexico as well. Anyone have any thoughts on that? I mean, it's it's not completely unexpected, I guess, because when did when was the uh, Mexican dub actually produced? Because I know it's been on for a long time. That's a great question. I To me, it feels like it's always existed. So I can't even pinpoint when it was. I remember watching it. Yeah, I remember watching it back in like 1999, I want to say. So it's been oh, yeah. in I excess mean, of a decade at least. Telemundo was always playing it. I mean, you had Cartoon Network, International Channel, and Telemundo simultaneously playing three different dubs of the show. So those are great times back then, man. I know it seems like it was just yesterday, but at the same time, it was so long ago. <laughs> Dude, that was over 10 years ago. How awful is that? <laughs> All right. So I think that's going to wrap up the news. We are ready to talk about our topic here. Guys, we have a full history available for you in the tidbits section on Daizenshu EX. It's going to take you beginning to present, but I'm going to give you the real brief, abbreviated history of what's going on. It all began with a Famicom game. That's Nintendo's first system. We got it as the Nintendo Entertainment System in August 1993 called Dragon Ball Z Gaiden. Saiyajin Zetsumetsu Keikaku, or Dragon Ball Z Side Story, Plan to Eradicate the Science. It was a completely new storyline, as opposed to one that either loosely or strictly followed the original manga and anime storyline. It had new villains, returning villains, some quasi-card-based battles, and all that kind of jazz, the standard for the time. That same month, a two-volume VHS release called An Official Visual Guide for that Famicom game was released. It was Jokan and Gekan, parts one and two. It was a fully animated, fully voiced, fully scored feature presentation that acted as a sort of perfect playthrough. It was a strategy guide for the Famicom game. Showed you the places to go, the order of events, the kind of attack strategies, etc. And it occasionally actually cut away to the map from the actual Famicom game to kind of show you where it is you were going. This is what we're going to be reviewing this episode, primarily as a standalone OVA, which it has since been subclassified as by Toei. Now, it continued onward from here, though. The animation was expanded upon with a two-part series of games for the Bandai Pladia, which had alternate endings, extra path, etc. That was a year later in September and December of 1994. Now, the original OVA footage was included unremastered, 
on the second Dragon Ball Z Dragon Box in Japan back in 2003. And as we've been talking a lot about lately, a half-hour reimagination of the OVA is going to be included on the upcoming Raging Blast 2 video game some 16, 17 years later. I didn't realize that it was only going to be a half hour. Yes. That's probably for the best. That. Uh, <laughs> and we'll segue into why later. <laughs> so what we're going to do, kind of quasi-manga review of Awesomeness style, we're going to do a recap of this official visual guide, this special, this OVA, the parts one and two. It's going to be a lot shorter than our manga review would be. And then we're going to do our own thoughts, and then we get some special other thoughts as well. Uh, kind of after it. So starting us off in part one, Corey, you're going to get us going here. Well, this uh, incredibly thrilling uh, adventure starts out with your prerequisite shadowy guy talking about revenge with some glowing orbs and then monsters fly out of a castle. Uh, we are whisked away to uh, Gohan, who is gathering firewood at home when Mr. Popo arrives at random, as usual, to uh, talk with Goku. Uh, they mentioned something called Destron Gas, which is killing living things, and even all the strong guys on the planet would be gone or dead in 70 days if they don't do something. So, of course, as usual, they head over to Capsule Corp, where Bulma is unable to find any references to Destron Gas, and Dende telepathically explains that there are four points on the Earth to look for sources for the gas. Uh, Grand Apollon in the desert of the far west, Poco Poco Volcano, and another location on the ice continent. Piccolo does his thing and shows up, saying that he can tell what's going on now that the old Kami-sama is part of him. Monsters show up. Goku and Gohan can turn Super Sign, but can't use any key-based attacks like a Kamehameha, and they ascertain that it must be the Destron gas causing this. But, as usual, they beat up the monsters, and they're off. Alright, let me continue here. Goku heads off to Grand Apollon. He defeats a monster and destroys a machine. That's kind of nice and fast. Gohan's fighting a monster by the pyramids and can fire off an attack since Goku destroyed a machine, which must mean that they can use a little more ki. Of course, this all makes sense. And he destroys the machine he's by as well. Piccolo is taunted by a purple monster at Poco Poco Volcano who set landmines all over the place. But Piccolo just kind of hovers up in the air to avoid them. The monster jumps up to attack him but falls and lands on the ground, sending off a chain reaction of all the landmines and blows up the machine that's there. And Piccolo just kind of sweat drops and there we go. Everyone groups up on the ice continent and they fight a bunch of monsters. And, you know, we're talking about Piccolo showing up. Of course, Vegeta and Trunks show up. They beat up all the monsters. Dende says now there's another machine over at Tongari Tower in the western capital. They head off there. Vegeta tries to destroy the machine, but there's a barrier around it. All of a sudden, a whole slew of past foes show up. First we got Frieza, then we have Kula, then we have Talus, and then we have Slug. They banter on and on about taking revenge on the Saiyans. They match up with one of the heroes and begin fighting. Even when the heroes land decent attacks, the villains kind of blob away and reform, almost like Majin Buu with his pink goo. Kaiosama pops in to explain that they're actually ghost warriors. Knowing this, and this is a point we're going to talk about later, um, <laughs> they're able to just defeat them. Alright, we're good. Moving on, Kyle goes on to explain that they need to find the true villain named Dr. Raichi, who just so happens to be a Sutfudian, the race that originally co-inhabited a planet with the Saiyans. One day, an intelligent sign led a revolt, and Raichi is seeking revenge. He's off at the, of course, the Dark Planet. The heroes will take off and find him. 
Mary, take us over to part two of this special. All right, so in an incredibly awkward sequence, the first of many awkward sequences to follow, our heroes take off in a spaceship heading towards the dark planet, but encounter an electrical storm. They uh, pass over some, this is also really awkward, they just skip some story stuff and replace it with text. It's the Xenogears approach. (laughs) Very strange. So then everyone arrives and finds a monster named Godogadon. But Goku makes short work of him, of course, because he's the hero. And then Goku breaks into a big room, and eventually everyone else follows in through various paths. And honestly, I couldn't even figure out how they got separated in the first place, but they all showed up. So, Dr. Raichi then appears, saying that he will finally take revenge on the Saiyajins. Through a flashback, we then learn that Raichi was working on a machine called Hachiaku that would harness the furry... Furry... Furries? Fruits. Oh god, I'm gonna have a horrible time with this. Sufurian? That would harness the Sufurian hatred towards the Saiyajin. But he was killed at the very last minute by an Ozaru. So the machine ended up taking off into space with this dead body inside. And I think that's probably the only interesting thing about this entire special. <laughs> Ew, gross. No dead commentary body. yet. Okay, sorry. Uh, the machine continued to work, and that's what created the Ghost Warriors. In fact, Raichi is a Ghost Warrior himself. Spoiler! Everyone attacks at once and destroys the barrier around Raichi, and Vegeta finishes him off with a final flash. Gohan says it's a shame that such an intelligent person was so hell-bent on revenge rather than putting it to good use. Kaio says that the last machine is destroyed. It's a wrap. And the credits roll. And then, oh snaps, fake out, bitches. <laughs> they cut back from the credits. It's not done. <laughs> Dr. Raichi is back. Kaio says that the Hachiaku machine has now collected all of the spite from Raichi and is growing in power. So now a physical being form thing guy of Hachiaku now appears and proceeds to beat the ever-living crap out of everyone. Goku mutters that he may be even stronger than Broly. He counts to 15 and manages to dodge one of Hachiaku's attacks, but still ends up getting hit after that. Piccolo then gives a senzu to Gohan and tells him to give one each to the rest. There won't be one left for him, but that's okay, apparently. After everyone's healed up, Goku says that they all need to attack together. At the 15-second mark, they all fire massive attacks. Goku uses the Cho Kamehameha. Trunks uses something that's clearly the burning attack. Gohan and Vegeta, they don't really say what it is. They just kind of fire stuff, which breaks through Hachiaku's own blast and knocks him out of the castle, presumably destroyed. Goku teleports everyone out, and they're back at Capsule Core. Everyone lands together as the narrator describes how Earth is back to life. And thus concludes the official visual guide for the Nintendo Famicom game Plan to Eradicate the Science. I have a bunch of thoughts that I wrote down, Mary, as you and I were watching it. And Corey, absolutely feel free to interject at any point as we get through here. Something we have to talk about right off the bat with this. As soon as Gohan starts running with that firewood and the music starts, this music, oh my god. I don't, where did this come from? Who composed it? Just, what? Well, it's just so, it doesn't fit in if any you, way. If you go back to the Famicom game, I mean, I... I actually started playing the Famicom game again for the first time in many years last night. Oh my god, this game is awful. Never mind the visual guide to it. But at least the main theme to Gaiden from the game is carried over to this special, this guide as well. 
I'm assuming some of the other tracks are. You, you can already tell what we think of it. Corey, what are your thoughts on the musical score to this this thing? Oh, God, it's like bad 80s porno music, but without the talent. <laughs> All it really needs at this point is Steve Franco, right? Do some color correction on that unremastered footage. We're good. We're golden. I've, I've got no... I can't even come up with anything smart-ass enough to say in response <laughs> to that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really bad. It's really, really bad. Yeah, so I mean, if anyone ever says, you know, that we never crack on the Japanese version of anything and have some sort of elitism towards it, just point this out. Because I think <laughs> anyone that's a Japanese fan can point this out as just being complete shit. It's awful. I mean, you rescore this with the Kikuchi score, and I think we're probably pretty good. I mean, throw in the Kai music. I, I think don't that care would be a, a, a pretty big step in at least making this watchable. Yeah, yeah. The music. <laughs> and they end up repeating one of the tracks. I think it's early on when they're taking out the individual machines. It's just, I think it's the Goku fight plays it, and then immediately it starts again with the Gohan fight, the very next scene. It's, I'm pretty sure the soundtrack only had 10 tracks on it. They did not sound like there were 10 songs. No, that might be the whole feature. And I don't think they used all 10. I don't think so. <laughs> Man, it's... All right, let's move on to other stuff then. Mary, a cute outfit by a certain blue-haired woman. I love her dress and I love her haircut. Bulma in this is like the only thing I liked watching <laughs> in this whole thing. I don't think she ever looked this way in anything else. I mean, describe what she was wearing. It's kind of like a one-piece, It's like a... It? Yeah, it was just a... A like short a sleeve with a turtleneck pink thing? dress. I like it. I like Me it too. a lot. Can you get this? <laughs> Ew. I don't like where this is going. Not in that way. I just, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it would work. I don't know. Yes. Okay. I think it's cute. All right, we're already talking about the villains a little bit. Corey, let me ask you, the the first batch of villains, before we get Frieza and Kula, etc., what do you think about these dudes? Oh, God, I, w I was trying to think of what they reminded me of, but they just seem like generic... That's exactly what I said. I can't think of, I can't even think of anything because a lot of times, you know, uh, Toriyama and as a result, you know, Toei trying to derive from his works, you'll see a lot of common stuff like uh, Goku in movie number nine looks like a juiced up version of Chrono from Chrono Trigger. But <laughs> yes, I can't even, he sure does. I can't even really see anything here where I'm like, oh, that looks like X, Y, and Z. It just no, looks no. like extreme generic disposable villains I, that would I think be gone. You're giving too much credit with the word generic. They're almost not even designed in the first place. Yeah, there's no design like to them. Blobs with appendages. I know that the timing of this statement makes no sense, but I sure. was saying this to you yesterday, Mike, when I was watching this, and especially with these monsters, so I felt like I was watching an episode of GT where the designers kind of take, not, not the Toriyama stuff, I guess, sure, maybe sure. later on where they had more liberties to do their own stuff. It just felt like like exactly what Corey was saying, where they're trying to derive, you know, that Toriyama kind of style, but... But they're not Toriyama. No. <laughs> Toriyama can draw a fucking slime and it feels cute and endearing. This is, <laughs> this is nothing. They're just awful. Absolutely awful. I mean, I know it comes from a Famicom game and you go back and play the game and yes, this is what the monsters look like. They can only be so many pixels high. I mean, you go back and look at the, the gameplay of that and there's not much to it, but really, they're just awful looking monsters i would rather take the different colored sci-fi men and whatever the the bio things from movie two give me those things at least those instead. felt creative somewhat but these didn't even feel threatening and the fact that the characters no. spent more than two seconds fighting them well no that that's a great point they don't feel threatening and 
It's true. They're not at all. You go to that scene with Piccolo. We're skipping ahead of one of my points. But that scene with Piccolo with the landmines was fucking comedy gold. It was yes. one of the only great things about this entire thing. I mean, that was a great scene. That was Toriyama humor finally brought into this for me. Mary, I was asking you, like, you remember the Piccolo thing? You're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. You just glossed over one of the only good things in it. Corey, what about you with this scene? Uh, you know, I, again, going back to something that Toriyama was involved in, and I'm not sure if he was actually involved with any of the plotting or anything. It kind of reminded me of, uh, again, Chrono Trigger with, uh, what was his name? Ozzy? The one guy that always tried to set the traps yes. and backfire on him? Yeah, oh, God, such like a good character. They like the monsters and then they like rolled off the platforms and the battle music just sort of stopped. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, I, I, I am so glad I played Chrono Trigger because now I can revel in this awesomeness with you. He was such a good character. Such a good character. He really was. You know what? <laughs> just put Ozzy into this special instead. Good. <laughs> we're, we're good. We're totally good. Let me, um, Mary, we're talking about you glossing over stuff. Let me. What do you, I don't know what you're referring to when you say glossing over stuff. Let me back stuff. up to something. You asked, it was the second fight, when Gohan was fighting someone, you're like, why is he able to fire key attacks again? I thought they kind of made it clear enough that because Goku had destroyed a machine, that they were kind of getting control of their key again. But I think we were already starting to tune out at this point. I was tuning out like two minutes into it. <laughs> it's just, oh. All right. Something I want to talk about. This is kind of like a meta conversation before we get to, you know, analysis of the actual stuff. People love to talk about the movies. Where would this take place? We'll kind of take some points of what we've already talked about and then later in the special. Piccolo mentions Mr. Satan. Goku later mentions Broly. Dende is the new god. We don't have Super Saiyan 2 Gohan. Of course, you really can't expect them to have a place to fit this into. But isn't this one of the most difficult things to place you into can't. the chronology? With all those elements you just mentioned, this is unplaceable. Yeah, it really is. It would have to take place... After DBZ movie eight, but Goku is alive. I mean, it's not supposed to fit in, but it's fun to have those conversations. And this is just so off, but it's going to take place in a movie continuity because we've got Talus, Slug, and Kula. I don't even know what to do with that conversation. Corey, you have any thoughts on that? I mean, there's no answer. No, it seems like it would kind of have to be in that mystical floating point. You know, uh, I guess post cell or after the uh room of spirit and time but before the actual cell games begin i mean right, I, right and i'm even trying to look up i guess where they were in terms of episodes when they were actually producing this game so it would i guess it would still kind of be in that same time frame yeah somewhere around there it's just fun to kind of point out those items and decide that you don't have an answer this is something we were alluding to earlier mary you almost lost it at this point it was after all the movie villains had come back and they were fighting for a while. They were blobbing around and Kaio says that they're ghost warriors. All right, we got it. Goku kind of backs up for a minute and yells to everyone, guys, <laughs> they're ghost warriors. <laughs> like, like everyone's supposed to know what this means. Like, oh, ghost warriors. <laughs> but by even beyond that, for whatever reason, after that... Let's defeat them with the exact same attacks we were just using. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Like there were <laughs> renewed knowledge somehow gave them the power to defeat them. I don't even know where this is the epitome of what we're talking about with awkward 
nonsensical bullshit with this storyline. Non-storytelling going on here. <sighs> All right, we're going to move on to the next one. <laughs> so now we're jumping ahead to part two. What the hell was going on? There's something about some rings, and then they they put the screen down into a corner of like, the text. Um, yeah. There's something about a pearl. What? What? <laughs> Well, then they magically had a spaceship that they had traveled somewhere to get this rock to make it. And it's I I'm just sitting there thinking, okay, what the hell? All right. See, I know I've played both Playdia games. I'm sorry. I trust me. I am more sorry than you are (laughs) because I've talked about trying to guide this spaceship through space. And it's just it's just stars. You can press one of three directions Good luck finding your way through. I know I've played enough of the second game to get to Raichi and Hachiyaku and all that stuff. I don't remember anything about a pearl and the rings of the planet or whatever. I don't even get why they even referenced it. There was no need. There was what? Oh, oh, God. Oh, God. I don't know what was going on there. All right, so let, let's do some more comparisons. Corey, let me ask you. We've already had Garlic Jr. and his mist that was kind of taking over the planet. I feel like we're getting a little bit of a redundancy here with this Destron gas that was taking over the planet. Is that too much of a similarity? Or is there enough difference? Or do you not even care at this point? Uh, both were exercises in subpar storytelling. So, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's the mysterious gas that they have to stop, and in order to stop it, they have to beat the bad guy. But it, it chalk it up to Toei or whoever wrote the plot line just sort of doing the same damn thing over and over again. Though jumping back, I've got to say, it's I know he does it in the canon series and stuff. Just having Popo just sort of show up out of nowhere and just basically say what was going on, and just it just seemed really funny to me. I mean, it's I'm sitting there watching it, it's almost like, Wow, it's like the uh, Deus Ex Popo. (laughs) There are a lot of instances. I mean, you have to chalk it up to also, this is a guide to the Famicom game. There were a lot of times where Goku would say, all right, we're going to go to blah, blah, blah. The point of that was to tell you as you were playing the game where to go. So you almost kind of have to cut it a little slack because, yeah, it's a feature presentation, but that's not its main purpose so it's really tough to judge instances like that but they're also really really awful and awkward at the same time i love the cuts to the little 8-bit map where they're yes. like flying across <laughs> the screen <laughs> mary you got that down great uh all right so uh another just clear analogy between this and something else is Dr. Garrow's computer carrying on after his death versus Dr. Aichi's machine carrying on after his death. Only this time he's trapped inside, dead. <laughs> and in space! As opposed to planet. in a cave! <laughs> if it were the fact planet. that like the cell thing was you know, actual canon and stuff, I would actually think that this part would be pretty neat yeah, yeah, as yeah. a plot twist. Like, whoa, I, there's a dead guy inside really a robot! Like- he even said something like, God damn it, it was just that last minute. I didn't see it coming. He got killed at the last second by an Ozaru that kind of knocked him back into his machine, which coincidentally is a spaceship, by the way. And it just <laughs> launches and his dead body's inside. 
side. It was kind of neat in that respect. But I feel like, all right, this is already the second case of you're directly ripping off something that had come prior. I mean, even the Famicom game that it's based on, of course. Dr. Garrow had already been around at this point. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about production of this game directly overlapping with those chapters and those episodes kind of being in production. So it's not even like they stole an idea that was from years previous. It was like taking from something that was already currently on the air. Well, talking about taking ideas from years previous, we get into Dragon Ball GT with the Sufudian Revenge, which is really almost like half the series with Bebby and Dr. Mew and the Machine Mutants and all that jazz, really taking almost too many hints from this original story here. I mean, this is where we learn about Planet Plant and all that jazz. This is where a lot of that information originates. And I'll be honest, I never finished the Peppy arc in GT because I was falling <laughs> asleep. Oh, God. But from what I remember and what I've been looking at in the guidebooks, I mean, this is really similar, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. I never really could finish it myself. But from what I can recall, very, uh, very similar. So at least in this point, we've got the Famicom game setting the precedent with a storyline rather than kind of taking something directly from the canonical story. So those were kind of my main just WTF points that I was writing down as we were watching the special. I don't really want to get into any final thoughts on it just yet, but Corey, I mean, when was the last time you watched this prior to prepping for the show? Oh God, I watched it, I think back in late 2003, maybe, whenever the, se whenever the second Dragon Box came out and I actually had it on DVD in a legitimate format. Right, that was 03. I, yeah, I watched it, and man, <laughs> it's it's pretty obvious why I didn't put it back in until we were prepping for the show. I'm, I'm trying to think myself. I mean, I know I wrote a synopsis for it for Daisenshu EX at some point, but what year that was, that was definitely the last time I watched it. And I feel like it gets worse every time I watch it. And I'm not sure what about it is getting worse. I think it's worse. that the more older and jaded we get, the worse and worse this becomes. Yeah, I don't know if... I mean, we're going to get to some other people's thoughts with a little tweet back that we had going on. But the first time I watched it, even then, I mean, back when Ramza first fan subbed it, and we were watching that, even then, in my wide-eyed, optimistic fanboy glee, I was still going, uh... Oh, God. I mean, I'm fairly confident that the three of us think this is pretty much garbage. I mean, the stuff we've been saying leading up to Raging Blast 2, where we're talking about the characters and they're hyping up how it's this long lost thing. And Corey, I, I just vividly remember you saying, you know, we know what it's based on and kind of tough to get excited about the new version. Yeah, because I mean, OK, I think, you know, we said this earlier, it's being cut in half for the remake, which is. Definitely something that's needed, considering I'd say a good half, if not more, of this could probably be eliminated and keep the main story arc intact. But yeah, it's it's kind of sad. You know, uh, I can't remember if it was Ryan or Heath that said it. You know, they're investing these resources in a new animation from scratch on this. Meanwhile, you know, Kai is essentially just the five-year-old approach of let's trace this and color it in flash. It's <laughs> it feels like a misappropriation of resources. You know, let, let me. I ask think you. it'll sell units though. 
I'm sure it will. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Sad but true. Let me ask you this. I mean, they're cutting it in half. The two original parts are approximately 30 minutes each. You cut out the recap at the beginning of part two and some of that extra stuff. Maybe you're down to, I mean, let's be generous and say it's only 20 minutes cutting out credits and all that stuff. So even if we say it's only about 50 minutes, if we cut it down to 30, do we need more story? Do we need more context? Is that the problem with this? Or is it just the underlying story isn't that good to begin with and no matter how you choreograph it, it's not going to be good. What do you think? I think it's just like some of the worst movies. Like, And I mean, it's better than this, but movie 11, for instance, I mean, it was just bad. No matter how much you cut it and did certain things to it or movie four, you know, another instance of blatantly stealing from other storylines it just it's just one of those things that you look at and go why does this exist i mean movie four is the worst example it's just a modern retelling of and a really short one of the piccolo daimo arc it's just the stuff it does is blatant but this is it's taking different elements and i think to answer my own question i don't think there's a way to salvage what's underneath this but i'm really looking forward to what they might do with it because they're using Something like the phrase reimagination rather than a direct remake, which I think gives it a little promise. I think if they just tighten up some of the writing, like, hey, they're ghost warriors, like instances like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it would help slightly. But then there's a part of me that's like, oh, shit, they brought Hachiyaku back as a character. At this point, all we need is Ozoto, and uh, <laughs> I think we're pretty good. <laughs> I mean, he's the only significant one left, right? Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> so there was a Dragon Ball Z arcade game. What is it? VRVS? Is that what yeah. it was called? Uh, it, it was that first person game where you fight split screen and the last character is Majin Ozoto, where he shapeshifts and he looks like a demon and... It was another I've never heard of this game original character. It was arcade only, never got a home port or anything. When so, was this? Oh fuck, what year was that? Looks uh, like nineteen ninety four. Yeah. yeah. 94. Oh, it was on a, a Sega arcade platform. Interesting. So yeah, I mean, th there's been a few original game characters, but a lot of them have been henchmen. I think the significant bosses have been Raichin, Hachiyaku, Ozoto, and um, I guess you could even go to Sagas. Who was that? Um, was he a yard rat character? Fuck, I can't remember what it was. But there was uh, an original character they made for that. But Yeah, I, I couldn't get past that first level without just turning it off in disgust <laughs> so I, I guess we'll get into some final thoughts on uh, this official official visual guide you you have our our thoughts but i guess putting them a little more concisely Corey, what do you think about it man you know it's it's funny doing this roger having done the big green podcast because that was the kind of thing where you said hey you can watch this and have a drink and laugh your ass off this is more of a you must have a drink when watching this Otherwise, you will. I mean, just to put it in context, I watched the first part. The second part I watched on 2x speed, so I didn't have to actually invest <laughs> a full half hour. Yep, and while yep. everybody sounded like they were, you know, the chipmunks, it, it's pretty much the only way I can make it through the entirety of the second part. It was rough. I mean, Mary, we watched them both in one shot last night. Yeah, and I, I told you, I confess that I lost consciousness twice while watching <laughs> part two. I caught myself like... 
falling asleep and then waking back up, like very, very briefly. Guys, we joke about falling. Oh, yeah, Mike fell asleep during GT. No, really. Mary started falling asleep during part two of Plan to Eradicate the Science. For real. I can't blame her. I really can't. (laughs) It's there. There's so many things wrong with it. It has what might be a good basis underneath, but it's just constructed so poorly i just hope that this reimagination is at least drawn better has better music possibly better writing yeah and cuts the fluff but i think it is an, an important thing that it's finally coming out here because i feel like it's one of the last pieces of the oh yeah yeah mystical content that never made its way over here yeah definitely i mean there's other stuff like atsumade goku world the tedubiko game that's that's so different this is always that one thing like oh it's the lost movie it's movie 14 people know about this one in like semi-hardcore dragon ball fandom so it is important that we finally get it in an official capacity even over here in the u.s even if it's a reimagination what i want to do now you've, you've got our thoughts you know what we're talking about here uh i put out on twitter earlier today folks we're going to be talking about this we rewatched it. Have you played or watched it recently yourselves? We want to know what you have to say. So we're going to go through. We got a bunch of people here. Taku128 said, in all caps, by the way, fake ending is the best gag. Fuck the haters. <laughs> I don't, is I'm it a agree. gag or is it just a necessity of what happens in the game? Well, there are multiple endings. I confess i never got that far in the famicom game so i don't know if it does that it must because it cuts to the famicom credits so i i'd have to look there but yeah the playdia games for sure have a whole bunch there's a genki dama ending i think there's like a giant hachiyaku ending as well i think i got the the standard ending that you see in the uh the visual guide uh our buddy josh kendama said i tried watching plan to eradicate the signs a while back i couldn't make it through the whole thing i'm glad this new version will be half as long so kind of mirroring what we're talking about uh mary why don't you take a couple of these okay clayman 2007 i just watched the version that came with one of the dragon box dvd sets in japan great special can't wait until the remake huh interesting this isn't going to be the last one we hear where they're excited about that i'm i want to know folks we're going to talk about emails later on if you were one of these people that really enjoyed this special counter our arguments and explanations i want to hear what you have to say about this justify your enjoyment of it but mary and Corey, one of your buddies as well ryan that you're talking with <laughs> all mary, right he I, says, I love caster's comment and i so agree with him i just want to make it clear we're actually reading every single one that's been responded to us there is no bias in this whatsoever mary caster said okay caster troy writes the music makes bruce falconers sound good <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Continuing on with music, Corey, I want you to take a couple of these. All right, Jacob says the unique music aside, I really love the elements that it brought to the table. Yeah, you know, Jacob went on, I think, with four or five more tweets, kind of defeating the purpose of it, as he is apt to do. But yeah, I mean, it did bring some interesting things to the table, and whether or not it executed them well, that's, that's another question. But I'll let you keep going here. All right, let's see. Our next one is going to be from Puppet Doctor, who said, I saw it a month or so ago, and it took me two times to get through it. I don't hate it, but it wasn't anything to write home about. Yeah, you know, if I weren't doing a review of it and had to really critically look at it, that's kind of been my analysis of it over the years, where it just kind of exists, and I don't really want to talk more about it. (laughs) It's just kind of there. 
All right, let me read the last couple ones we have here. Emily says, I rewatched it the other day. It makes me want to shoot myself. Not as excited for the redone version as I was before. Oh, well. Don't forget the smiley face. Smiley face. smiley face. I think by talking about this and getting ready for it, we've ruined it for Emily. And finally, uh, DBKHD says, I watched it a few times. It wasn't bad. It was fun watching it. I liked how each character tries to destroy the Destron gas in different arenas or in different areas. The plot elements are pretty interesting, too. Few original characters. It's a great OVA. So there we've got Clayman and DBKHD that enjoyed and what they watched. And what? And Jacob. Oh, uh, Jacob. But I think he went on and I'm pretty sure he got more negative as he was making his tweets. <laughs> I think as you continue to talk about it, ultimately you will end up on the negative spectrum. So for those of you who enjoyed it, definitely send us an email. I want to hear what you have to say. Don't just let this be confirmation bias. I want to hear everything that the lovers have to well, say The last one it. that you just read kind of mentioned why they liked it. Yeah, you get some original characters, get some plot stuff, but we did talk about that too. I want to hear more. Why did you think that was good? I don't want the what. I want the whys. And I know that can be very difficult to put into words because we had a couple instances ourselves we're just kind of like gasping for air looking for a way to articulate our feelings on this that's for a way out <laughs> god get me out of here watching it does uh engender a certain form of uh, brain death it feels like that's right we're done with our topic here we took a look at the 1993 official visual guide for plan to eradicate the science on the nintendo famicom I am in the future. I've been wanting to do this for years. Actually sit down with a group of people and play the Playdia versions of the games and do uh, a review of that. I think that's going to require some uh, Bryce and Andrew and Jeff in some capacity. That'll be that'll be a long night. We'll do that in the future. And then we, of course, we got Region Blast 2 coming up. With our topic done, let's jump the hell down to releases. Let me get you going on October 19th, talking about the earlier Tenka Ichi Tag Team. This is the North American release of Tag Versus from Namco Bandai, developed by Spike for the American PSP. In this case, it is $39.99 MSRP. Amazon's got the best deal out there right now. It's $39.82, only a couple cents off. But they're doing that $10 gaming credit, which you can apply to any future game purchases. So that's uh, good stuff right there. Mary, I guess you'll wrap up. October 4th. Oh, okay, cool. So, uh, Friday, October 29th is Dragon Ball Z Box 6 DVD in Germany from publisher Kaze. It's 10 boxes for the series, and it's based on the French video transfer, which, so I read, is not all that particularly great. It's definitely not Dragon Box versions, to be sure. Covers DBZ episodes 165 through 199, which is the end of the Cell games through the Anioichi Budokai. It's six discs in the standard 4x3 format and is 57.99 euros on Amazon Germany. Right, all right. With that done, let's go do some emails. All right, our first email comes to us from Mammoth Mogul from Archie's Sonic the Hedgehog comics. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know if this is a reference I don't get, or if he's actually someone from the comics, or if he's explaining that his name is someone from the comics. Regardless, Mammoth Mogul from Archie's Sonic the Hedgehog comics says, Greetings, Dizey X. Sorry if this is a week late. I was swamped with work and only listened to your filler review last night. Well, we're a couple of weeks late, too. No problem. As a hardcore fan, I have to speak up and ask you why it never occurred to anyone, ever, that this Afterlife Tournament 
could never have happened. The Afterlife Tournament is the biggest inconsistency because it is mentioned in Chapter 205 of the original Tonkobon, Chapter 11, Visits DBZ Volume 2, and Episode 6 of the original DBZ by the ogre who delivers Son Goku to Serpentine Road as the only one, he's very specific here, I appreciate that and I love it, the only one who ever made it to the end of Serpentine Road and met Kaiosama in the past 100 million years was Enma Dayo. Which means Olibu and all the others from the North Quadrant can never have existed because the original canon stated Enma Dayo was the only one to ever make it to Kaiosama's planet. Praise me for this revelation. Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. That was so awesome. That is amazing I never, detective work. Oh, man. You know, there was always something that bugged me about those characters. <laughs> is that what Especially, well, other than sucking, but just the fact that they're like, oh, yes, and he reached uh, at the end of the road in this time, and something in the back of my head was like, does not compute, but I never really gave it a second thought but yeah all right here's what we're doing right now mammoth mogul from archie sonic the hedgehog comics gets a round of applause absolutely that's amazing that is amazing work here but we're gonna move on (laughs) (laughs) we phrased him that's the end uh Corey, you know what i'm gonna have you read our email here from silvermoon229 all right silvermoon229 says hey i'm mike mary and the rest of the gang last week i attended new york comic con and being a loyal buffy and dragon ball fan i of course attended james marsters or james marsters signing and panel he's an incredibly sweet and classy guy but more importantly he provided me with some dragon ball evolution tidbits to pass along during the signing i asked whether there would be an evolution sequel and found out that most likely won't be happening but for reasons other than its dubious quality. Apparently, one of the producers has since made some enemies at Fox, and they are looking to bury him. One piece of evidence for that is that Evolution has not yet come out on iTunes. Make of that what you will. Side note, I mentioned the way that, that way before Evolution, I had actually mentally cast him in a part in the live-action Dragon Ball I would have wanted, but as Vegeta. He was very enthusiastic about how much he would have loved that. Some interesting behind-the-scenes info also came out during the Q&A that evening. YouTube link here, not uploaded by me, assuming that link will be in the podcast notes. <laughs> Damn right it will be. The initial question and amusing response is around the 2 minute 50 second mark, and after a short story about David Boreanaz, the in-depth reply starts at about 4 minutes and 50 seconds. So that's my little tangentially Dragon Ball-related Comic-Con tidbit. Hope it was enlightening and maybe a little entertainment. Wink, smiley face. Love the show and can't wait to see what new stuff you guys have in store. All right, so for those of us here on the show, I'm going to give you a little explanation of what he said. Those of you listening there at home, you're going to hear what he had to say. No, when, I got, when I got approached to do the film, uh, Ray Parks had just said no, and so they came to me. But they told me it was a $130 million picture, and Stephen Chow was producing. Really? Stephen Chow, who did uh, Kung Fu Hustle, <laughs> and he would be making sure it was right. And I get down to Durango, and it's a $30 million picture. No one's even heard of Stephen Chow, and I don't have a stuntman. <laughs> so uh, I doubled down. And uh, I decided that I don't care what this movie ends up being, but I am going to be the piccolo that Japan loves. <laughs> and, and I brag for a second, and I gotta brag because that was a horrible film. <laughs> In Japan, they made one tall figure from that movie. They didn't do Goku, they did Piccolo. <laughs> 
sweet. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. So is he an actual fan? Um, I think or at least casually. Movie, he said that what was his son was a fan of it, and then he did go and read the entire fucking thing. Oh, and cool. Really enjoyed it. So I always liked James Marsters, and now I have he, even more respect for him. I mean, you watch this video, he sounds like such a fucking nice guy. I actually had run into him here a few months ago in uh, Philadelphia at another Comic Con they were having. I think it was Wizard World or something like that. Oh, yeah. Now they wanted money to get his signature, yeah, but I just kind of yeah. passed by his table and was like, hey, man. He was like, hey, how's it going? But, uh, Real nice dude, and if you've ever read any stuff, because I'm also a fan of, you know, the Buffy, Joss Whedon universe. We're all Buffy Whedon fans here. He's a real big, one of his things is he's a method actor, so he'll get his hands on all the material regarding a certain role. Makes sense. And he'll just kind of obsessively cram it, and he he talks about a lot of stuff he's played, you know, he's become a big fan of because he's done so much prep work for it. So I'm not really surprised that he has more knowledge than probably the people that were writing and producing the film definitely oh definitely. i want to rewatch buffy now spike I you're about to say oh i want to rewatch evolution but no never would have <laughs> no spike is hot so we're, we're due for uh, a buffy and angel it's been too something. long it's been a long it's been time. it's at the point where i actually really don't remember much about it so yeah. watching it again would be like oh we, what a surprise we finally watched firefly so we're caught up on all the weed and stuff so. you guys hadn't watched firefly no we only just watched it this past year i know it was awful of us oh god that's if you like Wheaton stuff, you have to. I was a little bit late to the table, too, but a friend introduced me to it. That's an excellent series. Well, for us, I actually taped it when it was first airing, but they aired it out of order. So we watched for the first episode, which was what? Episode two. And uh-huh. I, I thought I missed something and then I just never got around to it. And it's one of those comical Mike things where if I don't do it. I'm not getting to it for 10 years. So <laughs> not that it's, oh my God, it might've been 10 years. Cause that nah. was college. No, nah, that was, they, I want to say Firefly was actually airing in 04 or 05. Yeah. Cause it was, it was around the time, it was around the time that angel was ending. Cause okay. it was like his next big project yeah. after that. It, it must've been around 04. Cause I was definitely still in college at that point. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, oh, one thing I did want to mention that iTunes thing is interesting because if you picked up the Blu-ray with the digital copy, the projected WMV is on the digital but if you want the iTunes version, that's not actually on the disc. What it does is it connects to the iTunes store and downloads the iTunes protected movie version. So it exists on the iTunes server in some capacity, but they've, I guess, never added it to purchase for the store. That's interesting about that whole one of the producers made enemies of Fox. It's like, wow, adults acting like children in Hollywood. Surprise, surprise. Are you surprised? No. No. Come on. Was Evolution up in the PlayStation Store? I seem to think that it was. Yeah, I remember. I remember hearing about it, I thought at least. Right, I is... never I never had any interest personally, of course, but <laughs> I, I want to say I heard something about it being posted on there. I think it was distributed digitally in some capacity at some point, but it yeah. doesn't surprise me that they're not doing a whole lot. So those are uh, our emails. People want to have uh, questions answered and they need to defend themselves and their positions on plan to eradicate the science. Mary, there's all that stuff going. Let's go to podcast at com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at D-A-I-Z-E-X dot com. Yeah. And you can also find us on social networking sites like the Twitter. We are on it as at DiesyX and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash DiesyX. 
very easy to remember and get to. That's going to wrap us up. Episode 235 of the podcast. Back from vacation. Good to be back in the groove of things. Corey, thanks for joining us and uh, talking about one of our favorite pieces of uh, footage ever. Yeah, thanks for uh, torturing me. I guess this is your payback for us doing a podcast without you in town. You That's made me right. rewatch this damn thing. You know what? You asshole. If you're going to do stuff without me, you got to come back for the bad shit. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not just, oh, Dragon Boxes, they're so nice and I love them. No, you gotta fucking watch this thing again. <laughs> Very good, sir. Very good. All right. Well, uh, again, thanks. Um, people want to check you out. I mean, you're on the Daisenshu EX forum. You exist in internet capacities. Yes, I'm in Cyberland, but I'm not going to give that stuff out because I don't want creepy stalker people. That's right. People want Corey's personal phone number. I can give that to you. Just shoot me an email. <laughs> oh, you asshole. I know where you live. <laughs> That's true. Uh, all right. I retract that statement. Mary, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Great us. show. I know where you live. Oh, oh I'm in the room upstairs. <laughs> uh, good to have you here. Good to, tra- good to talk about Dragon Ball again. Yeah. Week after week. You know how oh, I love talking about bad sometimes stuff. Sometimes we talk about good things. <laughs> sometimes we talk about More often than not, we're talking time. about bad stuff. <laughs> how does that happen? We do uh, like Dragon Ball. I know. Where's the love? Isn't it strange? I mean, we love the thing, but you know, you have to talk about everything. Anything and everything Dragon Ball. All right, so uh, thanks to Corey, thanks to Mary, thanks to Julian, who uh, I'm pretty sure couldn't join us this episode because him and the wife and the kid, they're they're doing the moving thing and the lack of internet and they're, they're a family now. It's so cute. And the baby with all the hair. Oh my God, <laughs> that head of hair. That's something She's else. She's so cute. So fucking cute. The cheeks, you just want to squeeze those cheeks. So uh, I'm looking forward to having Julian back on regular rotation again in the future as well. Get the whole gang back together. Gotta uh, get the band back together. Get the band back together. <laughs> <laughs> Broke up for, what, a month? <laughs> I think we're ready to tour again. Uh, I really don't know what it is we're doing next week. I know we're due for a manga review of Optimus, but we're kind of getting back into the groove after a crazy summer and refreshed from vacation. So we got that. Um, got a whole bunch of other stuff that I've been promising. We're going to slowly make our way through it week in, week out, talking about our favorite series with everyone. So again, Mary, thank you. Thanks. Corey, thank you. Thank you. For those two fine folks, my name is Mike, Vegito EX, and we will see you next time here on the podcast, Daizenshu EX. Thanks for listening to our podcast here at Daizenshu EX. We look forward to talking about Dragon Ball each and every week with you here on the internet. We'll see you next time. <laughs>